The villains that graze the pages of comic books and silver screens often mimic the childhood upbringing of some of the world's most horrific real-life killers. So many have a past so dark it sets the stage and even triggers their own path of destruction. Why so serious, says the Joker, whose own face was carved into a smile by his abusive alcoholic father. The real villain in tonight's story, however, came from a home just the opposite, and yet is responsible for one of the deadliest crimes in American history. Welcome back to Talk Murder to Me. Shoot, we had a hint, but Joker. We, didn't, we didn't make a drink for it. Shoot. Well, I found a drink, but I didn't think we had the ingredients, and it's Sunday, so we can't buy any ingredients. True. Like, do we have Midori? No. Then we couldn't have made the drink. Y'all probably know the story anyway, I imagine. Um, I don't. Oh, well, maybe. Oh. It depends. It could go two different ways. It can either go Batman Joker or it can go playing card Joker. If it's Batman Joker, I might. It's if like it's... the same thing, isn't it? No. Isn't he the Joker off the playing cards? Yes, but I mean, like, it could be, you could be referring to, like, a gambling murder or, like, a casino type murder uh, or, like, a Batman murder. Oh, touche, yeah. So if it's the Batman murder, I think I know. If it's a, like, playing card casino type murder, then I don't think I know. Is it a Heath Ledger conspiracy? No, I think it, if it's Batman, it would probably be the Aurora shooting. All right. If you guys are new here, tonight's story, I'm putting all my sources on talkmurder.com. You can go there and the post will be front and center and you can follow along with us today. Also, we are on youtube.com. Type in talk murder to me. I would definitely recommend you guys following along with us on the video. I've got some really good slides and it's really going to help the story flow for tonight so be sure to go to youtube and subscribe to our channel and thank you so much for all the subscriptions we're getting so far also one more thing we did launch the forum talkmurder.com join and that is our private forum for Supremos. If you want to become a Supremo, every Wednesday we record at Jen's house. We put that episode on iTunes and all the other pl- and all the other podcasting platform apps as well. However, the videos that we record at Jen's house will be exclusively for Supremos, and you can get those by going to talkmurder.com/join and paying a a fee of twenty five dollars a year. Oh, so, you know what? And become a Supremo and we'll love you. Maybe I'll put a tour of my house on there. I was thinking that too, like MTV crib style. Yeah. We also have a bunch of unedited photo shoots that we're putting on there. <laughs> oh, no. Basically, all the bonus content that Jen doesn't want me to put on there is going on there. Are for... we going to get bloopers back? Maybe. <gasps> I love bloopers. I miss the bloopers. All right, so tonight's hint for you guys is Joker, J-O-K-E-R. So, Nicole, where are we going and who are we killing tonight? Heath Ledger conspiracy episode. No, but I will say this story I'm going to do tonight also has a conspiracy behind it. If you would like me to do that as well, be sure to leave us a comment. And it does have Bill Clinton in it, the conspiracy. Yes! Just like every conspiracy, it has Bill Clinton in it. (laughs) I think we're going to Aurora, Colorado, to the movie Mm -hmm. theater. 
Surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Remember the segment that we had where it was like Jen versus Nicole and Jen played that music? Oh, <laughs> yes. God. I hated that shit. Of course you the, did. The, the music was just, really funny, these though. These annoying girls need to just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Enough Cheers. with the peanut gallery. Whoopsie. Cheers. If this is that cherry Cheers. thing, I swear. It's not. You're welcome. That was <sighs> wild turkey and a little grenadine. All right, guys. Tonight, if you're following, if you're following along on the YouTube channel... This is the Google Earth. This is where we're going to tonight. Ooh. Ah. We're going to Colorado. Oh, Jen. So tell me what this is, Nicole, since I don't know if you know the story. It is a movie theater. It is a movie theater. We're in the back of the movie theater right now. And keep that in mind in the back. And I'll show you a picture in a minute. But that's where the killer comes out of the back of the movie theater. And... I'm going towards the front, and I actually try to... It's a to, nice movie theater. Yeah, it's really nice. I actually try to, on this Google Earth, try to see what movie's playing, but I couldn't. See if you can tell me what movie's I, playing. Well, I do Amy, miss going Amy to the Amy Schumer's um, Trainwreck was out. Well, we know Batman was out, obviously. Well, yeah, and Trainwreck, <laughs> because... Trainwreck was hilarious. That was a good one. Um, okay, so I do know that this is a mass shooting, and someone opens firewall in the Batman movie. What, tell me about the guy. Do you know about the guy? James I don't. Holmes? I don't know. He about him. like they said. Didn't they say that he had like a psychotic break? Did he plead insanity? <clears throat> yeah, I know he dyed his hair right before he went. Yeah, like, and I'm purple, like, like the Joker. Like like it was red. Creepy. A lot of people attribute James Holmes the killer to the Joker, and I know why because he did dye his hair and he did shoot up a Batman movie. But he didn't have any intentions of doing that. He didn't want to be betrayed as the Joker, even though he was. Portray- the, the the media portrayed him as the Joker. Did you? you know? Did you guys? Which makes sense because he is Batman. This movie. was the yeah. Heath Ledger one, right? Yeah. Uh, this, the, it was no, that it was, version of was, Batman. No, this is the first no, one. No, this, this is, was after Heath Ledger died. It was this was Batman, a, um, a Dark Knight. The, it, no, it wasn't the Dark Knight. Dark it was, Knight was with Heath Ledger. It was the one after Dark Knight. The it one was, with Anne. Anne Hathaway. It was Dark Knight Returns. That's yes. what this was. Returns. I yeah. literally just said that. No, you didn't. Say yeah, Returns. this was. It had a. I all right. It's like he was on first. Let me be honest. I don't watch Marvel movies. I didn't this watch this DC Batman movie. movie. Whatever, man. I just want. To... I don't watch comic book movies. Okay. You I should... will say I don't either, but I did love those Batman movies. Yes. Did I don't watch... watch any of the other Marvel ones. I have ones. to say though, and you guys, I think might like it. Um, Because it's not really focused on Batman or the superhero part. But did you see the Joaquin Phoenix Joker one? No. That was really good. It was dark, but it was really good. I would watch it again if you guys want to watch it. I would watch it. I would watch it. Joaquin Phoenix is a really good actor. He is. He's the best actor for it. Really? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Hmm. So this movie is, as everyone watching this now or listening to this on podcast, you know this story. Everyone knows this story. Everyone knows that there was a shooting at the theater. Everyone knows there's a shooting at the theater, and but no one really knows the details of the story at all. Um, I actually asked one of our close friends, Brianne. She's up in, uh, she actually lives in Aurora. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she told me just what everyone else knows. But I feel like the media didn't really dive into it because it's such a tragic event. And I feel that's Shootings really unfortunate. Sad. It, it kind of. It, it's sad, but 
and and I want to say this. I want to put this out on the table before we go any further. This podcast is not political. We don't take stances on anything. We do, but we don't push them on our podcast. So one of the big one of the big things with this case is obviously gun, gun control. Gun control. There you go. I would like to kind of reframe that argument, and we're not going to get into what we should do about gun controls. Even though I do want to tell you my uh, my my opinion. Uh, uh, not opinion, but uh, his solution. His solution. I gotta. I've been thinking about this with okay. this case. I'm excited to hear. Yeah, just ask me that later. And um, but I think this story, if we were to use the story for good, we would try to push it as a mental health story. Mm. I believe that the gun control, whatever your stance is, I believe that was the primary directive after this happened. And I don't think that was correct. E- either way, you are guns, pro guns, no guns, whatever. I think I think portraying the story as a tragic event, but then focusing on the mental health aspect, even today after this happened and after everyone has died and after he's in prison and all this stuff, I think that is still the way to go. We can still revisit this case and take a real hard look at mental health here in America. Yeah, that's a great point. So, And I'm going to get to that, and, and there's a reason why I'm saying that. I'm not just saying that. To say it, you know, but anyway, we're going to July 20th, 2012. I was just released from the military about a month before. September was your discharge. Oh, okay. Close. I was still in the military. (laughs) You were rounding it out. He's he's trying to dissociate so he doesn't remember. I I remember when this happened. I was um, working... Uh, at a at a summer camp it wasn't like a long summer long summer camp it was just a couple of days um and we were on our way we were walking somewhere when i saw it on my phone come up yeah yeah so basically everyone that's watching this you should know the story um a lone gunman walks into a theater and opens fire all in all 80 people or excuse me 70 people injured Jeez. 12 people died, um, including a child, a six-year-old, which we'll talk about. And she was the youngest. There, There's a lot of not good things about this case, but there should have been a lot more victims. And we're just also lucky that there were problems with his his weapons of choice and his hmm. lack of experience using them. He had some uh, jammings going on and it allowed people to get away, which we're going to talk about. I just kind of want to prime the story. This is a very tragic story. So we're going to July 20th, 2012. This is the wee hours in the morning. Batman Dark Knight Returns just releases on July 20th. So, oh, is this a midnight showing? It's a midnight showing. So oh. they they give it to the theaters, and the, the theaters say, okay, you know, we can show it at midnight and kind of get away with it and get a uh, a good crowd going. You know, pretty cool stuff. I've never actually been to a midnight showing, but all right, guys, this is a ticket from that showing right there. This is something I found on Jeez. Tumblr or something. All right, so this is the actual theater right here. Go to talkmer.com to see the theater. I got a a bunch of pictures to really paint this scenario for you. The previews had just started. James Holmes, he is the killer tonight, the mass shooter. He walks in 
He doesn't really grab a seat yet, but he uh, fakes a phone call and then he walks out. I want to say at first he walks in. We actually, I, I'll show you a video here in a second of him walking into the theater. He got a ticket for Auditorium 8. However, don't yell at me. This shooting happened in Auditorium 9. The reason I'm saying that is because he planned out very detailed to have this shooting in Auditorium 9. However, he was buying tickets online and you multiple can't times. You can't choose. So it's all random. I don't know how many tickets he bought. Probably 10 or 20. Somewhere around there. Always trying to get Auditorium 9. He could never get it. Hmm. The closest he got was Auditorium 8. He goes up to the ticket holder, which I'm going to show you in a video in a second, but then he just goes into Auditorium 9. So what was so special about Auditorium 9? Well, he cased out the theater well in advance, and Auditorium 9 has a great access to the back of the theater where he could suit up in his body armor, and I'm about to show you all the stuff, his gas mask, get all his weapons, and then go back into theater. Obviously, he didn't walk into theater with all these guns. He right. had three weapons with him to shoot up the theater. So what he did was as soon as he gets into Auditorium 9, he goes out the emergency exit and he blocks the door so he can get back in. And then he goes and changes into his stuff. We're going to talk about that in a second. Huh. So this is very premeditated. I see. Oh, yeah, I would have a hard time like going. I mean, this was months, that. months, almost a year of prep Oh, work. wow. Yeah. But There's after a lot the fact. Of a lot of stuff that went into this planning. Okay. A lot. After the fact, I wouldn't want to like go into that. Oh, the the theater. theater I think it was um, about a year and a half, or maybe it was six months. I'm sorry if I don't know the exact date. But that theater, I mean, the theater is still up and running, and it has like been the building. The building's been up and running, but that actual theater is revamped and running. That that auditorium is back in business, if mm. you will. Auditorium mm -mm. nine. No, I would have kept that as a like. I feel like. You keep that as a memorial. But I understand why they wouldn't. But I personally would not want to go into that theater. Just bad juju. Yeah. Okay. The killer walks in. He scans his code for theater eight, but he goes into auditorium nine. The theater is pitch black, but their previews just started. This is Batman Returns or Batman Dark Knight Returns. He goes into the front. He takes a cell phone call or he acts like it. He leaves through the right of the screen. So you get the screen here. On talkmore.com, I'm putting these pictures. He goes out the right. He takes a tablecloth clip, which I couldn't find the exact one he uses. So this is just one I found on Google. But I guess mm -hmm. I guess it's a clip to to uh, make the tablecloth on your table not move around. Mm -hmm. So he takes one of these. Now he before he even goes in there and does all this, he makes sure that tablecloth clip is going to be able to block the door because if he can't get back in there's no shooting he's not going to come back through the front door you know what i'm saying so what he does is he goes in there just normal guy and i'll show you a video in a second then as soon as the movie starts he's out the door on the phone he puts a tablecloth in the emergency exit he goes out to his car he suits up body armor gas mask Assault rifle, shotgun. He goes all the way back to his car. Yeah, well, his car is right outside. I'll show you in a second. Okay. He suits up, goes right back in. He throws a tear a tear gas container, which I'm going to kind of show you what that is. And then he starts 
opening fire. Jeez. So right at the front of the movie. So this is like, so this particular theater had an emergency exit where he could park right outside of a not. Well, no, every, I mean, every theater has a, an emergency exit Right, door. but I mean, yeah. like, the position of this emergency exit was near, like, where he could park and, and not yep. be... Exactly. Right. If, That's why he wanted that theater. Exactly. I'm putting this photo on talkmurder.com. This is the theater right here. The front of the entrance is to your left there. It says Century Aurora 16. This is the Century 16 Theater. Back there, it says suspect's car parked behind theater. That was a parking spot that he took, which no one takes that because, you know, I mean, everyone's going to park in front. Why would you park in the back and have to walk around? See, I, and I don't I, mean, I mean, unless you're trying to sneak in the theater. I don't mean for this comment to be in bad taste, but like if you're planning to shoot up a movie theater, why would you be so concerned with getting caught skipping theaters? Huh? What do like, you mean? Like, like movie hopping. People no, no, he, all right, well, he he's trying to get to he because he, they scan the tickets and they're going to tell you no that's not your theater. Okay, let, let right, me back I up. I know, but let, like, let me back up. Let me. He wanted to get Auditorium Nine because he thinks that's the best auditorium that he can deal maximum damage. The seating's right. There's an exit door that he can easily escape if he needs to. He can go out of there it's not all cramped up like he cased all these theaters in advance and he picked auditorium nine mm -hmm. however on the batman everyone's buying tickets for this midnight showing is all random so he tried to get that one that he cased out right but but i know that i understand that but i'm saying like he was trying so hard to get tickets for that particular theater if he was just gonna go out and like do it anyway why would he be concerned about getting a slap on the wrist and, and being no, told no, no. not All to right. go? I, okay, so you see what I'm saying? Yeah, when you go into a theater, yeah, when you go into a theater, it's usually broken up, at least my, to my experience, two two different lanes. You have theater like let's say one through five on the left side, and you have theater six through ten or whatever on the right side. So if he was to go in with a ticket with theater three he's going to go to a different guy that checks the tickets and he's got to go to the left does that make sense and one theater one to five right. so he wants to go to theater nine so he's got to at least go past that person and get checked does that make sense yeah i guess so yeah i i i understand that he's just, also trying to not draw attention to himself yeah i guess that's true i mean tell me what what are you stuck on i don't know no i'm not stuck i'm just saying that like you know, once you get into a theater, people theater hop all the time. Once you're pat in but that if you're, cluster if you got, of theaters. Yeah. If you so he needed to make sure for, he was in that cluster. Yeah, and plus it's Batman. This is the hugest, one of the hugest premieres yeah. of the- No, you're right, you're right. Of the decade, you know? I mean, yeah. he could have think, I mean, for all he knew, there were going to be guards at each theater being like, oh, no, yeah. you're in theater nine, you're in theater 10. Yeah, no, you're I mean, right. Because it probably was all sold out. This was, yeah. it was so sold out for weeks. Right yeah. yeah, yeah, that I makes mean, sense. So it was- No, no, that makes sense, that yeah. makes sense. I was just, you know, making- It's a good- point though a comment so he goes into the back of the theater here you see a uh, little box there that says suspect's car part behind theater rear exit so you guys can see what happened right he goes in the preview start he gets on his cell phone he's not talking to anyone but he leaves kind of pretending that he's on the phone he puts a clip in the door that table cop uh, that tablecloth clip and then he walks into his car as a white tourist get it 
What you're seeing now is a video of him walking into the theater. I'm going to put this on talkmurder.com for you guys that are podcast listeners. And this whole scenario happens within 30 minutes. So 30 minutes after he walks in, he runs out. And I'm going to show you that video later in the episode as well. But this is the video for that. You see him walking in, James Holmes. He's a normal looking kid. He's wearing a white kind of a, a button shirt, maybe polo shirt or something like that. You can't really tell. There he is right there going up to the uh, ticket guy, the security ticket guy. He's wearing a black hat. He looks pretty normal. Got some baggy jeans, no guns, no ammo, nothing that would point mm -hmm. him out as being suspicious or anything. Actually, but did the he, ticket taker just doesn't even really notice. Does he have any weapons in his cargo baggy pants? No, no weapons. He's got nothing. Everything's in his car. Okay. That's what I'm saying. He goes out of the theater to get all that stuff. Right. Okay. So he has but, nothing with him. What? Right. Well, no, no. I'm just saying like he could have, if he had those baggy pants, put something in, could have strapped but why onto would his you? Because you could just go out to your car, which is right there and get it. You wouldn't. I was just asking. Okay. All right. So this is a familiar image for you guys. Probably everyone has seen this image right here. If you want to describe what James Holmes looks like, this is a selfie right before the uh, shooting. Ooh, he's got orange hair. His, uh, I don't know if he like did something to his he eyes. He might be wearing contact, contacts that. Uh, it makes his whole like eyeball look black and he's got this like manic smile. Exactly. And it looks very creepy. I'm putting that on talkmore.com. Now I want to say that the contacts... He is wearing contacts, and I'm going to pull up the link right now. He actually bought those online. And it's creepy. Hold on One of my friends from work that I used to work with would buy, like, different colored contacts. So she would have, like, purple eyes one day or, like, green eyes the next, even though she had brown eyes. I got blue eyes one day. I mean, like, <laughs> like they look normal Yeah, those, compared to that. Yeah, that but, does not. Yeah, so his uh, content lenses, let me see, I'd pull up the uh, site. He Did he it. post this to social media? I don't think so, no. I don't think he posted the social media. So the uh, content, or what's content, why did I say that? So the, so the lenses, the contact lenses he is wearing are called the spirit lenses. And those are on a, uh, he bought those on 9mmsfx.com. Hmm. That's still on there. I actually tried to look up the spirit lenses. They're no longer for sale, obviously, probably because of this story. But that is what they're called, spirit lenses. So he bought them on the internet. Here's another image of him. Now, he's got a homemade bomb. One it looks like a cartoon character bomb. I've yeah, never it's actually... Uh, I didn't know that those actually existed in real life. Yeah, it's actually called... Uh, let me look it up real quick. It's called like the Alice and Grinch. It's something really funny uh, sounding. It's, it's a... It um, looks like something you would see in a Bugs Bunny episode. Yeah, like Wile E. Coyote yeah, and Roadrunner. Yeah. yeah, so it's... The only uh, thing missing is TNT printed on it. Right. Legit. Oh, uh, yeah. So this bomb is actually called the Boris and... Natasha oh, Bob. from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah. Oh, is that what Those it is? Those are the villains yeah. in Rocky and Bullwinkle. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that picture right there, he actually, and one of the things I'm not going to go into in this case, because it's going to be way too long already, is the fact that he had his entire apartment rigged up and ready to go. So when someone walks in 
big explosion. He had gas. Th- uh, th- he made thermite. It was like a booby trap. It was booby trapped, and the and and how he brought in someone that would open and blow himself up so, is loud music. He cranked the music up in his apartment, and this is midnight. Techno music as loud as it can Did go. Did it actually blow up? No, it didn't. So he was oh. he he was not re- planning on returning to his apartment then. No, no, no. He was. I mean, was he, he planning on dying in the theater? Uh, not planning on it, but he knew that it could be a possibility. Interesting. All right. So the the photo you're looking at now is the same selfie kind of uh, style. Him in his orange hair, which is why they uh, they uh, kind of point him towards being the Joker. He's got his contact lenses in, which black out his entire eyes, almost like that guy off a uh, Limp, uh, Limp Biscuit. Remember that Limp Biscuit? Fred Durst. No, the uh, guitar player. He always had his eyes like that, where oh. they're all blacked out. I mean, that's a combination between that guy and Carrot huge, Top. Huge, huge Limp Biscuit fan here. What? He, he looks like. <laughs> a, I don't think you should admit that. He looks like Carrot Top. He looks like Carrot Top. If his eyes were regular, he would look like Carrot Top. Well, Carrot Top he looks is, like something. I don't know. Yeah, he looks like he, he looks the same jawline. So he walked, and let me paint this picture of how this looks. He goes into the theater. He walks back out. He's on the phone call. Now he's on, quote, what he calls the mission. Okay. His oh mission is to kill as many people as he possibly can inside this theater. So he tells his psychiatrist, not his psychiatrist, but the one that wrote the book that we're about to go over. Uh, his name is William H. Reed, that he was, quote, calm and collected. He goes out to his car, he suits up, he walks back in to the theater, and when he's out in the parking lot, he does make one call. Do you want to know who he he calls? His mom? No, not his mom. His dad? He calls the CU Hospital Mental Health Hotline. Whoa! And the, the operator does receive the call, but when he or she is trying to answer, he can't hear them. Oh, or, no. No, but that, that is not the reason that it wouldn't have stopped him. Oh, He okay. says that there's probably no no way in hell that he could be stopped at this point, right? Well, okay. And he puts on his earbuds. He pumps some really loud techno music. And I try to find exactly what song, but there's no record of that. It's just really loud. Boom, 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 boom. He's getting pumped up, and then he just kicks that door in, and he goes in just like he's he's clearing a house or something. And hmm. he's fully dressed in his battle gear. And before we go any further, let's talk about the book right quick before we go into the theater. So the book we're reading tonight is A Dark Night in Aurora. Definitely recommend this book. This Great is, name. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, because Dark Knight, obviously. Yeah, 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 it was good. This is uh, by William H. Reed. He is a psychiatrist. He's been in the business for about 35 years. Um, I'm going to read the the uh, the about this book that I found on Amazon. A Dark Knight in Aurora uses the 23 hours of unredacted interview transcripts hmm. never seen by the public and reads research to bring the reader inside the mind of a mass murderer. The result is chilling, gripping study of abnormal psychology and how a lovely boy named Jimmy became a killer. William H. Reed, M.D., M.P.H., which I'm not sure that what that is, 
is the past president of American Academy of Psychiatry and the Law, and he has practiced forensic psychiatry for over 35 years in private settings, medical schools, and the public sector. So everything Nicole's going to be reading tonight, and, and I'll show you for you two guys, when she reads something from the book, we'll have the book up there, you know, so you know what's coming from the book. Um, to clarify, John, MD, uh, medical doctor, MPH, is probably Master of Public Health. Okay. Oh, okay. All right, so if you want to read this, Nicole, this is actually from the book right here. Holmes had activated the mental fuse on the clean-out tear gas canister while he was still outside the door. It made a hissing noise as he stepped inside and immediately threw it into his right, sending bright sparks and smoke spewing in an arc front of the in front of the screen. Several people thought someone was playing a prank. Some idiot throwing a firecracker at one recalled. Then he started shooting. Do you notice any similarities there between the other shootings we've covered? You don't think it's a gun right away. Sounds like a firecracker. It sounds like a firecracker. Every mass shooting that we have covered thus far, there's always the thought, the the mass thought of the entire population that's being shot at, that it's just firecrackers. They sound similar. Uh, And uh, not only that, who the shit's going to shoot up a theater? You know, it's probably just some stupid kids playing a prank. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, what you're looking at now is everything that he was wearing. When he walked into the theater, can you describe what you're seeing, Nicole? It's like just SWAT gear, almost. Exactly. You have a military-style vest there, and that is a lot of magazines. I think uh, each one of those magazine holders, I think that's two. Let's say that's... uh, Six of them? One, two, three, four, five. That's eight of them right there, plus one in the... the, uh, in the gun. In the, in the uh, weapon there. So that's a lot of bullets. Plus he's got a, a handgun there and a shotgun and some other stuff. Let me let me go ahead and read this. Clockwise. Crap, that must be heavy too. Like, that's, yeah, that's so lot. he's wearing all this stuff. Clockwise from the top here. Let's go clockwise from the top. An M&P 15 rifle. You see that one at the top of your screen. That is a, a Smith & Wesson's version of an AR-15. Those popular... Uh, weapons you always hear about they're always in the mass shootings uh, steven paddock uses an ar-15 you know the assault rifle there's a vortex strike fire sight system which is presents a little red dot we used to have those in the military those are for close quarters combat you kick in a door and you you just see a little dot it goes and you, you're looking through the lens the dot goes right on the dude's head or dude's body and you just boom shoots him right there a Remington 12 gauge tactical shotgun up at the top there, mm-hmm. top right. You see that? Mm-hmm. A bag with various items, part of his ballistic bullet res- uh, resistant. So he's actually thinking he may get shot in the process. A, a rifle and handgun magazines in a weapons vest, a gas mask that he was wearing, a gas mask. Because he was. Because he threw that tear, uh, gas. tear gas. Yeah, exactly. A Glock handgun, a ballistic arm, or leg protectors, gas mask filter, more ballistic, more ballistic clothing, and Kevlar helmet, which is a Kevlar helmet will stop most rounds coming in. I would say not anything bigger than a five-five-six round, but the, those bullets right there shoot regular five-five-six rounds, which are you know pretty, pretty large rounds. This Go ahead. seems like 
obviously it's top of the line type of, of equipment. I'm guessing this is a couple thousand dollars worth of equipment. Yeah, right exactly. Here. Where do you think all this stuff comes from? Where the, would you? Interwebs. If, if, if I was, a, if police? I would be like Nicole, can you? I, I want. To, I want to give you <laughs> Amazon Prime. I want to give know. you three weeks to buy all this stuff. Where would you go buy? Uh, um, a all military this stuff. military supply store. A gun store? I don't know. The military base? We're not going to get into what we think is good or bad in this story, but all of these weapons either came from Gander Mountain. Uh, it's a, like a sports store. Oh, like okay. a, yeah. like a Cabela's or something. <laughs> and Bass Pro Shops. Yeah, and, and yeah Bass Pro Shops That's is another really one. That's a really fun store. Have you yeah. guys ever been to a Bass Pro I Shop? I think I've been to like one in my life. There's one at, there's one at Gillette. <laughs> Gillette Patriot Place and yeah. it's like so cool they have a restaurant inside you can look at all they have like an aquarium it's a really cool place and I don't even like like that fishing and shooting type of stuff I mean I'll go camping we all know I'd love to glamp and camp I really want to go camping with Murphy I think he'd like that you you say you love to glamp but then you go out there and you just fall asleep and expect us to like just watch you sleep or something it's it's really was hard. one time it was one you get, time you get mad and we're like all right peace I'm gonna go and you know in the king size in the, bed in there let's go sleep in the california i woke king. up at like three in the morning and you guys are gone of course you fell asleep within five minutes it's yeah, like, it's gonna be so funny let's glamp and then all of a sudden you're like okay well you should have woken me up i would have woken which is up exactly what you sound like when you sleep you know what you sound like when you sleep <laughs> you know what you sound like when you sleep hello Corn of the cob. <laughs> you sound like all kinds of shit when you sleep. Apparently, it was humming the other night. <laughs> we need to get you a sleep recorder out. I know. I was so mad. John. I'd be afraid to listen to what happens when I sleep. We, you, I wonder if any of us sleepwalk. I don't think I sleepwalk, though. I, I sleepwalk my way to the gym. Oh, fuck. Can you read this, Nicole? His first shots were with his 12 gauge. I saw that people were getting up in the back left corner, so I like shot in that direction. I asked why they might have been getting up before any shots had been fired. They could see me all decked out with my guns and stuff. He heard a scream from the group and assumed he had hit someone. He shot all of his shotgun rounds toward the people who were trying to flee the, at the back of the auditorium, then dropped the shotgun onto the floor. So he started with the shotgun versus the machine yep, gun. Yep, exactly. Do you want to take a guess why? why? Why would you do that? Maybe he really didn't want to kill that many people. More victims. Now think about a shotgun. How does a shotgun work? Well, the shotgun, it the shot, the little bullets and the bullets inside. I mean, the bullet, the and and then the material inside goes. But I would think from Myrtle and Marp, murder and marble. But I would think that you you don't do, you can't kill as many people in with a shotgun. You can't. You, you can't because if he's in front of the theater. Going back to the theater versus in the front, the... you can't kill as many. But what's going to happen? Oh, all right. So when you shoot a shotgun, the shells, the the shell actually gonna, breaks you're apart, gonna kill people. and you're basically getting hit with shrapnel at that point. But what does that do? Right. If you go shoot a shotgun instead of shooting one person, you're going to shoot maybe twelve people. Obviously, there right. were seventy people injured, and and they're going to be injured right there they're going to be like ah you know and fall and to the ground anywhere that way you can go and shoot them point blank range when they're down you don't want Yikes. people running out that was his main concern well if someone gets shot though would it would would someone also be more prone to like aid that person too so then you have more victims there you gotta all right i paint the picture here it is after midnight it is 12 
10 a.m. The theater is pitch black. There's a bunch of patrons in there. Think about the last theater you were in. Even if it was in the middle of the day, it is pitch black in there. Some guy comes in. He throws a canister of gas that fills up everything. You can't see shit. Not only that, your eyes are burning out of your skull. You can't see anything and you're in pain from the gas. There's shots fired of a shotgun loud bow, 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 because the acoustics in the theater, they're so small, you're hearing that all, and it's that cracking, popping sound. What are you going to do? You're going to administer aid to someone? No, you're going to be in shock and you're going to sit there and you're going to be terrified. I don't care who you are. I don't care how big of a man you think you are that shit happens you're going to be in utter shock man utter shock and that was what he wanted he wanted the shock factor of this all because in the end of the day his mission was to kill as many people as possible he uses a shotgun so he can blanket the whole audience because he's not a he's not a trained killer he's no navy seal special forces he basically barely knows how to pull the trigger and point what he knows playing first person shooter games on his computer, right? That's what he knows. He points the shotgun. You don't really have to be a marksman or a sharpshooter to shoot anyone. It just kind of happens. Then once they're down, you can go up there with your handgun and bow, bow, bow and kill as many as you can. And in this in this moment, because I've been in moments like this, it is pure and utter chaos most people 99 percent of people unless you're trained will literally sit there and freaking freeze they don't know what's going on they don't know what to do they will sit there and freeze and they'll only try to run once they see that everyone else is doing it and and they'll go with the herd that's how it is i'm just saying that's my experience and that's what happened this is real quick he walks in there throws the canister all of a sudden, he's shooting. It is utter chaos. I feel extremely sympathetic for everyone that was in there. Every person that was in that theater, even the uh, of the ones that survived, there were 70 victims that got injured, 70 people in that theater. He shot 70 people in some form. That's crazy. I feel sad for every one of them because they know what true terror is they know they're about i mean they they know what the face of death is that that is no joke when you're in that position and i've been in that and it ain't fun i'm just saying no i well i'm just trying to paint the picture because this is this is a bad situation man not only that but the worst situations is when you don't see a, a good way out you're up in a theater the guy shooting is in front of the theater there ain't no exits up at the top of the theater you got if you want to leave the theater you got to run one way and that's towards the guy shooting at you yeah that's not a good situation man that's not a good situation and that's the reason he picked that because he knew he knew that was his advantage i'm sorry Mm -hmm. i'm not trying to be uh over you know overdo this here i'm just man i thought a lot about this it's not it's not a good situation i'm telling you it's it's a bad place to be and every time i go into a theater but even way before i did this even before we started murder podcast that's exactly what i think about someone coming up in there and doing that that's all i think about you know what i'm saying yep anyway if you want to what is this right here that's the first gun he used that's the shotgun 
shotgun laying on the floor right there. The Remington Model 870 pump-action shotgun is one of the most proven firearm designs in history. The 870 Express is a rugged, value-priced workhorse, making it one of the most useful tools that an outdoorsman can own. At the heart of the ultra-reliable 870 Remington is a receiver milled from a solid billet of steel for maximum strength and twin-action bars that prevent binding and twisting while cycling the action. 870 pump shotguns have a great pointing have great pointing characteristics. That's from Cabela's.com. I'll tell you one thing. Every weapon that he chose was the best weapon for his mission. And no one doubting that. Hmm. He chose the best things. He he may not knew how to use them that damn well, but he definitely did his research. He chose the best weapons to do this with. I th- you know I think money doing- was no object, I guess, for him. You know. Yeah, and I'm gonna he, talk he about that. Like he too. Was, thought he was gonna take a risk of losing his life what's the point of having money left yeah either gonna die or go to jail and and here's one thing i'm about to show you whether you like the death penalty you don't like death penalty you want guns out of here you you want more guns whatever your your thing is and with this story and others like it man try to put yourself in the victim's shoes like one of these like this lady right here her name is carly richard she's 22 years old look at those that is being shot with a shotgun right there That wow. ain't fun. Look how many look how many pellets hit her, man. Like a dozen. Jesus Christ. You get shot with that and, and then you got to run out the dozen. theater. You you're like, "What the fuck?" And then you got the only thing that saved her is she was a navy, I think a navy vet, maybe air force. I'm, I may wow. be wrong, but she she had the training to to run out. She was with her boyfriend Chris Townsend and they both got out of there. All right, sorry, I'm just like no, hyped up about this, man. It's a bad, bad situation. Anyway, if you want to read this, this is from the Daily Mail, August 1st, 2012. Batman Cinema shooting survivor shows her shotgun wounds as she demands death penalty for James Holmes. I think I heard a weird popping noise and then a can or something come flying towards us. The girl next to me and I both swatted at it and it almost hit me in the face, it seemed. In a split second, I realized that it was tear gas, meaning that this was either a bad joke or it wasn't a joke at all. In either way, it is time to run. The next second is a blur, but according to Chris, I jumped over him to get out of the aisle, and we both ran for our lives. Unfortunately, a lot of the victims didn't do what she did because she she's kind of trained for that. Even no matter what your job is in the military, you kind of train for that sudden, you know, yeah. thing like that. Anyway, here's a victim right here. I'm going to go through a, several victim profiles here. This is the oldest of the patrons in the theater that night. This is from the Denver Post, July 21st, 2012. If you want to read his biography there. Gordon Cowan, 51. Gordon Cowan's family released this statement. Loving father, outdoorsman, and small business owner, Cowan was a true Texas gentleman that loved life and his family. A quick-witted world traveler with a keen sense of humor, he will be remembered for his devotion to his children and for always trying his best to do the right thing, no matter the obstacle. Devotion to his children. How about this? If you got kids out there, think of yourself in this situation. You take your two daughters to see the Dark Knight Returns, Midnight Showing. Now you're joking with them all week. (laughs) We're going to see Brave. 
Brave, that Disney show. Mm. They're like, man, I want to see that. We want to see Dark Knight. You get to the theater. Surprise. I was joking. We're seeing Dark Knight. And they're all excited. Mm. They sit in row 13. And then this is what happens. Brooke remembers firecracker noises and thinking they were from some kind of stunt. Then she realized she was hearing bursts of gunfire. The girls heard someone scream, I love you. Their father stood up to move them away from danger. Justice Gordon Cowan turned to be sure that Brooke and Sierra were following him. James Holmes shot him. He died there trying to lead his daughters to safety. Every story I read about the 12 victims that died, if... Not even if it, if if a guy was there with his girlfriend or whatever, it was the guys putting themselves on the girl's body to protect the the females, which I think is, you know, some light to the story. It's very tragic, man. You know, but that's just how men, most men, I think, inherently are. You know, so this is how it is. Very sad story here. If you want to describe what you're looking at here. Um, there's two flip, uh, pair of flip flops, uh, pink flip flops. One is upright. One is flipped over with the, um, is it the AR-15? Yeah. I mean, and, that's, it's supposed um, to be an AR-15. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a and Smith and blood yeah, all over the place. Yeah. So that's a M&P 15 rifle. Basically the same thing as Smith and Wesson's version of an AR-15. Basically the same thing. It looks just like an AR-15 in my opinion. There, that's the uh, exact rifle that he used. I'm going to read this. This is the the kind of uh, what is a M&P 15 rifle. They're built to perform multiple uses under various conditions. M&P 15 rifles are as versatile as they are reliable, engineered for a wide variety of recreational, sports, shooting, and professional applications. M&P 15 rifles are easy to accessorize, which he did. He had the close quarters combat red dot. All you got to do is you don't have to be a you don't have to be trained. You literally put the dot over someone like a video game. You shoot when the dots over hmm. them, they get shot. It does almost feel like he he thought he was going like this was a video game for him. The way he was preparing. Yeah. You know, it's like what he thought he should do. And I I want to say right now, I've been playing a lot of first person shooters lately and that and I'm not saying that I can I'm just saying I can I don't want to be the guy to be like video games calls this cuz I don't think that's true, but you know, I mean, you get wrapped up in that you shoot all these people, you it, get like this It's a different mindset, yeah, I think. Yeah, but I I feel like Kids don't know how to disconnect themselves from that, maybe. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, man. It's crazy. Anyway, um, M&P, M&P 15 rifles are lightweight and rugged, embodying the best combination of function and form. That's from smithandwesson.com. This is a video of some old-timer on YouTube. You can follow his channel. His name is Hickok, Hickok45. He's got 5 million subscribers, which is just a little bit over us. This was him shooting this thing. This is what it sounded like in the theater. Now think about it in a small space. It's going to be more amplified. Hickok 45 here. Maybe 10 rounds is all you need. That's outside. That's no fun. <laughs> I don't think I agree with that. That's I think more than 10 rounds is the answer. Yeah. I've had a few more. Ah, come on. <laughs> oh, let's go to the red plate. 
Oh yeah, let's shoot some steel. Cause that's who made that one. Let's shoot it again. Oh, timer there. That that's what it. I I just wanted to show you the sound of that. Like that. I mean, it's loud. It's loud and in a tight space like a theater, man. With the smoke going up and you can't see anything and it's just the the freaking that sound, man. Like what are you gonna do? You know what I'm saying? Ugh, that's gotta be. And even if you try to run out, which most people did, you're jumping over dead bodies, right? Or people that are injured laying there, you're jumping over them. Like, what do you do? You know, like put yourself in that situation. I, I don't want to, to be honest. Here's uh, another victim here. If you want to uh, uh, talk about her uh, bio, this is actually from the Denver Post. All these uh, bios of the victims are from the Denver Post. Rebecca Ann Wingo, 32. On one of their first nights without her, Rebecca Ann Wingo's family gathered on the patio, swapping memories of a woman who for 32 years had been the center of their world. They remembered a woman who always sat in the first row at church, who devoured books in a single sitting, and always seemed to be juggling multiple projects. She was with her friend Marcus. Now Marcus survived, and this is from A Dark Night in Aurora, the book. They huddled behind the seats, surrounded by screams, more gunfire, and the sound of bullets hitting things and hitting people around them. The gunman began to walk up the aisle. James Holmes shot Rebecca five times with both a shotgun and a rifle or handgun. She was hit in the trunk, arm, and head, her skull and brain instantly destroyed. Five times he shot That's her. We, like, it's, that is excessive. strange to me how he is, he is, instead of just like kind of spraying like he is also going up to people and like shooting them multiple times. So it's showing like a almost like different kind of manic rage. The fact that he's like getting so in people's individuals faces yeah, instead of it being like distant crowd. Well, when you think of, um, you know, the other mass shootings that we've covered, including the, you know, Las Vegas story, obviously that shooter was shooting from, a window right very of a distant. hotel very distant but he was spraying the crowd and then you know this yeah it is very dis- different but it's excessive like you don't need to shoot someone five times with a machine gun and a shotgun to make sure they're dead you know what i mean that's just, yeah. it's just not like he's changing guns on this one individual like, in the midst of all this chaos called, I mean, it's kind of weird obviously he didn't like he didn't know who he was shooting he didn't right. care so it's it's almost like it's so personal for an impersonal crime. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It it's uh, like it's I, I just very, feel like it's it's disgusting and it's excessive and it's just upsetting. Yeah. Tell me what you notice about this photo right here. I'm putting this on talkmar.com. This is the seats of the theater auditorium 9. Tell me what you notice. Like one thing you notice. I mean, obviously you notice a There's bunch of one cluster right there. Well, we'll look at the the uh, ride. So, what you're seeing? Well, describe what you're seeing. So, so it's the the chairs, um, and it's almost like almost like a bow and arrow, almost like poking through it, which they, they through do each to, chair to, to show the projectile exactly um, of where the bullets went. But well, what you what do you? So notice? there's different colors. There's a there's pink rods and there's yellow rods. So I'm assuming it's different for the guns. Of the theater. No, what do you notice about that pink rod right there? It's at the bottom of the seat. That pink rod going into the seat, what do you notice? It goes through the seat, right? Yeah. And that That is a pretty... And he's at the front. He's 
this is shot at the front. So if you shoot, that is pretty padded area to go through that. He was actually using full metal jackets, which the rounds, you guys know full metal jacket that- I know like, the movie. Yeah. So never saw it. The round is, is exactly what it sounds like. A full metal is completely uh, hard and it, it is designed for one purpose only, and that is to penetrate, go all the way through. And that is why he picked that. That is why you see oh, those poles. I see what you're saying They're now. going through the seats. Got completely. it. They're not stop. It's not multiple exactly. so, shots. Put, it's one bullet that's going through multiple rows of seats. Exactly. Got so it. put yourself in the mindset of this guy that just wants to kill as many people as he can, but he's not a trained professional. Oh, okay. He wants a bullet that can go through person A and go through person B as well. So that is... Because they're all sitting back to back. That's one line. That's one bullet. Yeah. Wow. So they're sitting back to back, right? So he wants to shoot one and get two. Was it two birds and one stone or whatever? Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. He want, literally that's what he wants to do. If you wanted to uh, read this, this is from the book Dark Night in Aurora. I asked where he planned or pictured beforehand people would be when they were shot. He thought most would be sitting in their seats. Some would try to run. That's why I left an exit route available so they don't fight. They can escape by running down the aisle. They can escape by running down the right aisle way. I wound up shooting at him, but only a few tried it. The plan was to contain them so they wouldn't start running. So his, his plan was to kill everyone in the, that theater exactly. and for no one to leave. Exactly. And he, he wanted to kind of block the exit. But most importantly, he didn't want to be trapped with, because he thought, all right, before he even walked into the theater, when he donned all his equipment, his gas mask, he thought the FBI has been surveilling him for weeks. Should and now they they're going to. No, they should have. No, no. I mean, no one. I don't think anyone's really to blame. Trigger. I don't think anyone's to blame. The the reason he thought that because when you're in this, and I I don't want to warrant what he did, but in in this mental health issue, you he was suffering from extreme paranoia, and when you're You're paranoid. You think everyone's going to get you. You think they're going to stop you right there before you go in the theater. But they didn't. You know what I'm saying? But the reason I'm saying that is because he thought someone or multiple people in the crowd would kind of know he was doing this and take him out. You know, it's interesting. It sounds like he was hoping that maybe someone would stop him. Uh, from no, doing I don't think that. he was hoping. It, well, it, I mean, it but sounded... then he also called the. I mean, and you said I know that you mentioned mm-hmm. that when he called the mental health hop- hotline that nothing could have stopped him. But it sounds like, you know, he was. Why pa- else would you call? Yeah, but yeah, but I, I we'll talk about this guy. Um, he does have mental health issues, but there. We'll talk about it. This is him right here oh, talking wow. talking about, and I'll put this video on talkmar.com. This is his confession, but this is him talking about- Looks quite different. How he wanted to try to, to funnel, I guess is a good word, funnel everyone into one specific location so he can just, you know, shoot them all there and get as many, many as possible. Um, no, the plan was to contain them so they wouldn't start running. But I'd left that aisle because I was kind of blocking the left aisleway and the emergency exit. So the only exit would be that <coughs> right aisleway. So why did you leave them that exit? 
because it was far away from me and they wouldn't uh, attack me, come down and run and attack me. So the thought was they would go there rather than attack you? Right, they'd run away. Kind of a pressure valve, I guess. Yeah, a pressure release valve. Let them go Those, down that way. I'm sorry, go ahead. Let them go down that way so they don't attack uh, where I am at. Okay. Those that did run that way. Tell me your first what, what impression you? of just hearing him. Very well spoken. Not well spoken, but he thinks about what he's going to say before he says it. He's calm, but something is not right. Something ain't right up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, gr- granted, something's not right, given what he did to begin with. But, like, it does not seem like he understands the wrongness. The fact that, I mean, he thinks that someone would go at him when he's in full gear is, I mean, would, like, I don't know. I feel like you wouldn't unless you were prepared to, to do that. Like, I don't know. Like, he didn't want to get hurt himself or he didn't. I don't know. Like, I, I can't put my finger on it right now with the, how to describe it. Well, I mean, he, was he was wearing ballistic gear. He was wearing a ballistic Kevlar helmet. Yeah, he was helmet. afraid of every, of that, yet he was afraid that he was going to get attacked instead. Exactly. Yeah. Which is kind of odd. Like, something well, about it is odd. if he was odd. paranoid, then, you know. He he's very all, paranoid. He, and then he's taking all of the precautions to make sure that this doesn't that's what that's so i guess the strange thing is like he's not go going into it like yeah i'm gonna go kill it like i don't and it's not just trying to like sound like a stereotypical but i think it's just interesting he's and this on a points mission. to the this points to the certainly there's a mental illness there where this isn't necessary i need to think think about it a little bit yeah, more i about can't how wait i cannot this. wait to hear about his motive behind his mission <laughs> Yeah, you and me both. All right, tell me what you notice about this. This is a computer animation of all the shots. Look at all these things, man. They're going everywhere. But uh, concentrate at the center of the theater. Look at yeah, but look at the left side. Look at the left side. Where is he standing to shoot at that direction right there? You see that that all the way over in the left. What does that mean? He's doing shooting at the at the top, but he's walking up the aisle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's actually controlling the scene right now. The picture that I'm showing them is a computer animated. It's got uh, red little saber lines wherever the bullet trajectory is. It shows that he was walking up the aisle, as you see from the top left there. He had to be on the stairs to shoot that direction. Yeah. So he's walking up the aisle. He's controlling the scene. He's trying to get as many victims as possible because um, the majority of people just get down, right? Yeah. They don't think to just run out real quick. It's chaos. So he's walking up and finishing what he can, which is the people laying there. He's shooting multiple times. That's why he's that one uh, victim five times, stuff like that. I guess that was going to be one of my questions, too. It's like, what is the best thing to do? Do you like get down under the seats and pretend to be dead. I mean, it's dark in there, so he can't see if you're dead or alive, or do you just run out like I, what, and be a moving target? I mean, honestly... I would sit by the aisle, and then you can hop over, try to hop over the banister. I would, I would jump over, even if I break my leg. Yeah. I mean, but then again, this is all like, dude, you don't know yeah, until you you're there. Yeah, man. you don't like, go into the movie theater being like... I mean, I do. I go into that thinking that. That's why I don't go see fucking movies. Right, yeah. Or go anywhere in public, really. Yeah, well... 
Most people. But that's why we, like, if we need to change seats, we change seats, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, dude, the veteran thinks about this all day long. This is why we sit, like, facing the the entrance of the, you know, <laughs> of the, the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you always have you pick your seat. Yeah. But, uh, man, I don't know what to tell you. It, it, I mean, it depends on what row you're in, honestly. If... I mean, who knows? Because it's so quick and so fast what happens. I guess the best thing to do is try to run. I don't know what else. I mean, because if you get down, obviously. With the bullets that he had, it wouldn't matter if you got down. It would pierce through it. Well, I will tell you what. what, And and this is hindsight. This is me not being there. But one of the one of the only not even good. What what should I say? One of the. the saving silver graces, uh, silver linings of this is that he wasn't a, a weapons expert. His yeah. his number one, he's wearing a gas mask, which he wasn't training. He didn't go. To, he did go to the range to shoot these weapons to get to know them, but he never went to wear a gas mask and shoot them, which is completely different. Well, yeah, because then you have to account for if you're aiming a weapon, don't don't you have to like account for like being able to see right into the sight? Yeah. So if you if you go back and look at the equipment that he's wearing, not only that, but it's hot as shit. He's wearing a gas mask. That steaming up. Yeah. Steaming up. Condensation, very yeah. hot. It's very dark in the theater. There's smoke now everywhere. You're just shooting just blank wherever. You know yeah. you're going to shoot this way. Like, that is the direction you're shooting. Hmm. And that is what he's doing, obviously. You can't see a damn thing. Yeah, well, not just the gas mask, but also all of that heavy gear that he has on exactly. to limits his mobility. Um, he didn't seem, at least, he looks a little bit larger, maybe in his post in his prison interview. Yeah. But he looked like a very like skinny guy. So mm-hmm. I feel like he, he was going to struggle. He looked very different in his... Yeah. interview there than he did in- there's a, yeah there's a couple things that saved a lot of people and that was the mp15 it jammed the reason it jammed is because he isn't a weapons guy and he overloaded he overfilled his cartridge he put too many bullets in there and then when he puts the magazine there and starts to fire a bullet misfeeds and two bullets get stuck in the chamber and therefore nothing fires so what you do is take the magazine out and try to clear that jam which he's doing with the gas mask and scared that someone's going to run at him so honestly if i was to tell you when would i run or whatever if that happens he's sitting there fumbling with his magazine for probably about a minute or so that is the perfect opportunity to run but you know most people wouldn't make that mistake that he did. He just doesn't know what well, he's doing. Yeah, he was probably thinking the more bullets yeah. I have, the more victims but I get. The him he but the fact that he didn't know what he was doing is the fact that saved so many lives. He would have killed a lot more people had he had the chance. How does he eventually get taken down? Well, I'll I'll go in that a second. So he pulls out the magazine, he tries to insert another, and he just could not get it loaded. Huh. He's then he pulls out the handgun and starts shooting uh after that. But the MP, uh, MMP-15 would have been the most deadliest weapon there. He did get shots off, obviously. But uh, luckily for everyone, if he was more experienced, which he was not, he would have killed a lot more people. So I know that's like whatever, but it is what it is. If you want to read this, this is a, another victim profile. This is the youngest right here. This is sad. And I want to say before we even do this one, I'm not... 
shedding light on this guy whatsoever, but one of the reasons he did pick a midnight showing is because there wouldn't be kids there. Take that as you will. Hmm. Uh, here you go. Veronica Moser Sullivan will always be six years old. The vibrant, excitable, blonde-haired, blue-eyed little girl who was bragging five days earlier about learning how to swim was one of the 12 people killed in the Aurora Theater shooting, said her great-aunt, Annie Dalton. And if you want to read this, this is from The Dark Knight in Aurora. Veronica Moser's mother, Ashley, now paralyzed from the waist down of one of four bullet wounds that also led to her miscarrying Veronica's baby sister, was the last prosecution witness. I went to stand up, she said, to reach for her hand. I felt it slip through my hand. As soon as I stood up, I remember getting hit in the chest. Then Ashley fell too, unable to move. Her daughter wasn't breathing. Holmes looked away as she spoke. So the reason I put those in there, not to advocate gun control or not gun control, because that's not what we do, but I just want you guys to at least whatever you think, put yourself in her shoes the mother's shoes get shot four times. You lose your daughter. I mean, lose your daughter, lose your child to be. Yeah. And you're paralyzed. You know, this that is, is horrific. What I want to say is this is a this is a man. This is bad. This is not a good situation. And, you know, our, the whole time I was doing this story, just thinking about these. I mean, I don't even know. Anyway. There were 70 injured people, like I said. They were considered to James Holmes, quote, collateral damage. I'm going to try to get into his MO. It's really hard to try to get into this guy's mindset, but I'm going to try my best. I want to say, has anyone seen the movie Highlander? No. Okay. I haven't either, but it is sort of important. Highlander. But before we talk about that, this is one really weird, borderline creepy thing. Very creepy. I read in the in the uh, the book. He shoots up everyone. He got 12 victims, 70 injured. Now it's time for him to run out of the theater. He goes. He's going to shoot some guy sitting there in the front of the row in the theater. Just sitting there. He hasn't moved one muscle. He doesn't shoot the guy. Because he's smiling. Very creepy. This is what shock is, I believe, in my opinion. If you want to read that. Like in the, in the movie theater. Yeah, this is a quote from James uh, Holmes, if you want to read that. When I was going to leave, going towards the exit, I just looked back and saw that he was smiling. It was odd, he thought. Was it really a smile? A grimace? Was he wounded? Frozen in his seat? Relieved that the auditorium was suddenly quieter? Holmes didn't think about shooting him because it would have been really personable, personal to shoot someone who's smiling at me. Besides, hmm. the mission was over. Isn't that weird? Was he imagining the person? Like, who was the person? Do we know? I, I don't well, know who the person was, but it's, I mean, I, I mean, who knows? It could have been imagined, but it, you know what it made me think about? And this doesn't really relate, but have you ever seen that movie Insidious? No. I think I have. Where, like, all of a sudden, like, these silhouettes are sitting there and then it kind of looks back and they're like... Like smiling, like really creepily. Is that the one that has oh, the lawnmower fuck. that runs over the kid? Huh? No. You were gonna have me watch it, and then you're like, "No, no, no, I can't do this to you." Oh my god, <laughs> dude that that movie 
Uh, I'll tell you, we can about... do it this Halloween, but it has to be in daylight. That movie will fucking scare is you. Is that man. the movie about the guy that is the author and goes to the house and writes the book? No. So his his son is a lucid dreamer. So like, I I actually, you know, me, I practice lucid dreaming. <laughs> but some people can just do it naturally. I I sometimes lucid dream. But this guy. The, or this was kid. this the one that was the true? This was the one that was like started off like a, a true story. story. A true no, story. no, no. Well, well, the mole was the one that we were going to start watching, and then you're like, no, never mind. I can't do this to you. Um, was it the nun? Oh uh, no, you're thinking about um the fourth kind. Yeah, that movie is scary. That's what we were going to start to watch. I haven't seen either of them. Then anyway, sorry. But yeah, so this kid we'll have to do Halloween movies. I'm kind of excited about it. Like his kid <sighs> go. He's a lucid dreamer, and then he gets stuck in this. This, uh, what they call it, like outer world where you can't get back. And this world gets increasingly dark and demons and all this shit, which is like a real thing. It is. In the lucid dreaming realm, the astral projection. Like, I know it's way over y'all's head, but. Uh, no, I know what you're talking but about. But anyway, so he has to go and find his son. But I'm, the the one, the smile I'm talking about is like, there's these creepy people just sitting there and they're just completely still. And then the guy looks the other way and he looks back and they're just like, like smiling, like really creepy, but not moving. It's so scary. Man. I have a couple of <laughs> points to make. Number one, I think it's interesting that you believe in the astral projection in the realms with having demons and creepy stuff, but you don't believe in ghosts. That's really that's disappointing to me. completely different. It's not. They're both spirits and demons. Anyway, number two, um, that's why you're. That's why you have to be nice to people because, like, if you're nice to someone, like, they're gonna have a harder time killing you. Like, if it's if you're working with someone and it's like a like anyone and they are having a breakdown and they go and they per- perpetrate violent acts. They may you you may be saving yourself by being nice to them. What are you talking about? You gonna kill me? She's like active shooting situations like in the workplace. This. He said it's gonna be harder to be sm- to kill him because he's smiling. You know, like if you're kind to I'm someone, I'm pretty sure this guy was in complete shock. I know. It, it was I, even I a, think it was a part of his it, imagination. It may have been imagination. Well, I understand that, but I I'm just saying. That's this why. guy was in complete shock. Okay, probably. well, my point is I know always, what you're saying. Okay, thank you. What you're looking at now, if you want to describe this, who is this? I'm assuming this is the killer, actually. This is the killer, James, or Jimmy Holmes. Is he in front of Where's, Where's Waldo? Yeah, that's yeah. Where's Waldo. Where's Waldo? There he is. I read a tip recently about how to find Waldo in any situation. I can't remember what in it was. In any situation? <laughs> <laughs> Waldo is constantly <laughs> looking around in everyday life. When you're in that situation where you got to find Waldo I... right now, <laughs> use these 10 simple tips. <laughs> find Waldo instantly. <laughs> Way to make it sound like an infomercial. Like... <laughs> Have you ever had trouble finding Waldo? <laughs> you need gins. Find Waldo Call now. Call 555. <laughs> Find Waldo now. Call Jen now. Oh my God, that was great. I'm just saying. I'm gonna. I'm gonna find. What's it. the tips? Tell me. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh but I read God. it recently, and recently could be anywhere between a month or like three years ago. Who knows? You know my fucking brain. They need to bring back the magic eye things. And we used. Eye spy. No, the magic eye where you like stare at it, and then like a uh, a unicorn oh, pops out. Yeah. Or whatever. 
So what you're looking at now is James Holmes, or Jimmy Holmes, I should say. That's what he was called when he was a kid. This is him at a very young age. What do you think his family dynamic was? Single mother. I get the sense that it was like... Abusive? uh, No, No. I get the sense that it was actually a loving family. What about you? I don't think there was abuse, but I think that maybe he came from a single parent household. The family dynamic, his mother... Her name was Arlene Holmes. She was a nurse at Scripps Memorial. Her Bob, her Bob. (laughs) Hey, you know, if I had a husband named Bob, I would call him Bob too. My Bob. His dad, Bob Holmes, was was a graduate from Stanford in Hmm. mathematics. Wow. Real smart. And had a master's at UCLA and a PhD in statistics. Mm. <sighs> yeah. No, thank you. Smarty pants. Very smart. I mean, obviously, you got the uh, impression that this guy, James Holmes, was, I, I mean, pretty close to brilliant. I would say he's a pretty smart guy. Very smart. And his son. I mean, I don't know if you could you tell that when he was talking. Actually, no, I thought. Oh, really? I did not think he was bright at all. Oh, okay. In the interview, I didn't. I had a student who I recently had a meeting with him and, and his parents want him to go to Stanford. I'm like, he's a freshman. Give him, t- give him time. And he's got a 2.1. <laughs> What was that the other day? Jen was like, I was going to apply to this college, but I just didn't. I was going to go to this school, but I never applied. Endicott. Endicott. Because no, it was Salem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Salem State. You know, I was going to go to Harvard, but <laughs> I didn't apply because I had a 1.8 GPA. Okay, and they probably would have said no. Let me no. clarify that statement for you because... There were there are very few school counseling programs in Massachusetts, and Bridgewater State is the only K Crep certified program. K Crep, what the freak it's is that? It's like the counseling. You can't go if you'd ever applied. I'm just gonna say you need but, to apply yourself, Jen. You're right. That's why I'm gonna go get another master's degree in administration. I might get hey. my master's too. University of Phoenix has been hitting me up. Even though you owe them, I think they're hitting you up because you owe them money. No, they actually they waived it. They actually paid me money because they were doing shady business practices or something. They paid you money? <laughs> yeah, they did. I didn't tell you because I spent it. Let me finish my story. <laughs> Look so- at this brand new microphone. James Holmes. He actually grew up in a loving family, which called it. Yeah, and the Bob and Arlene. It's very sad. I mean. You know, they're the victims, too. I, I don't mean to compare them to the actual deceased victims, but I mean, they I mean, think about it. Like every picture you see of the dad, his head is down as mine would be or any other father that this has happened to. Like, it's I mean, think, that all of those victims also weigh on him. Well, it's not like he I mean, especially because it's not an abusive relationship or they, they didn't abuse the child or it's like anything. What, it's like what? Where it's did like, they go what wrong? What did I know? do wrong, yeah. man? Like, I literally showed you love and everything else. And what the fuck happened? You well, know, that yeah. is something that is not often thought about the the way that the family of killers it has to deal with it as well. Yeah. You know, like yeah. they're vic- they are victims too, not in the sense that they had their 
child's um you know life taken away i mean in some cases they do but not that they're like their child is responsible for this heinous crime and now they have to learn to you know adjust to life too so it's different and it's 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 different but it is something yeah so i you know i i also feel feel bad for the parents there was mental disorders in the family dynamic and that is really important here Depression, especially mental disorders, ran throughout the entire family line. Bob's, the dad's, the father, his sister, Betty, developed a severe mental illness early in her life that required frequent hospitalization, some sort of schizophrenia. The book really didn't get into exactly mm. what it was. James's uh, paternal grandfather also had obsessive compulsive disorder and James obviously developed a mental illness as well. And that's not warranting what he did, obviously, but mental illness is a factor in this case, 100%. And I feel like in my opinion, that should trump anything else. And we should, we should figure out what the hell, you know, how do we stop this from happening again? You know? Yeah. But he did grow up in a very loving family. And I'm going to try to read this. The font is really small for some reason. He grew up in a very loving family. He lived in San Diego, California. And when he was seven years old, he moved to Salinas, California. So he he shot up a uh, Colorado movie theater. So how did he end up in That's Colorado? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Did he go to school in Colorado? So he grew well, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but it's a good guess. He grew up in California, seven years old. He moves to Salinas. His father's mother, Jane, was an ailing woman, older, having health problems. That's why they moved to Salinas. Bob actually worked on the uh, the ASFAB or the AFAB, A F V A B, which I actually told you this is the uh, Armed Force. Forces. Well, Armed Forces Vocational Aptitude Battery Test. Oh, I huh. thought they call it the ASVAB. I did too. Armed Services. I did too. Maybe they changed it. but No, because it's ASVAB now. They Yeah, no, maybe they changed it. But oh. here it was AFVAB. Oh, okay. Maybe they changed it to sound better. I don't know. The Army has acronyms for acronyms. Like they have, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But well, anyway. I mean, that's for all of them though. That's for the all all branches, the aptitude tests that you have to take for entry into the armed services, in yeah. case anyone was wondering. Now, he started to withdraw when they moved to Salinas. His mother took him to counseling because he was, quote, very Nintendo oriented. Now, I was, too. You know, my my brother was, too. Like, we played video games all the time. I really didn't see anything warranting counseling in my opinion now i obviously wasn't the family this is the family a picture of the family right here you see they're happy yeah he started to withdraw from his classmates when he moved and he became very at what age at seven okay so he moves to salinas california he starts to just want to spend time with us with himself oh yeah i mean it sounds like he was having some sort of adjustment issues he was top five in the world in middle school at Warcraft 3, which is a video game. World, huh. Like World of, World of Warcraft? Yeah, I think so. Wow, top five in the world. That's pretty special. What are you? Like negative eight. So you're better than everyone else? 
<laughs> no. Because like top one would be the best in the world. So a negative would be you, even better than that. Are you going like that. golf terms? Okay. <laughs> I'll leave that to your interpretation. Now, a counselor actually diagnosed him with oppositional defiant disorder. James Holmes was very smart, honorable student, no problems in school. He wasn't social, but he had no absences or anything. He had a 4.0, and that was even low for them. I was like, man, I thought it only went up to four. Mm-mm, no, they're up to five. They're weighted. Actually, it goes above five. If you take AP classes, it can go up to six. Yeah, so. I thought five was AP. Mm-mm, honors is five. Well, I guess it depends on the state. Yeah, in South Carolina, in South Carolina, it goes up to six, oh, okay. which we're like that's, the lowest education. Only goes up to five. We have the lowest scores ever in education. In South uh, Carolina. No, actually, we're second to last. So. Oh, yeah, you know what? We can bail some hay. Who's we're last? second to last. I think Georgia or West Virginia. Maybe it's. Mississippi. <laughs> I think it's Mississippi. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. It could have changed too. But did you know that there's a correlation between um, lower social economic statuses and the availability of fast food? Believe yeah, it. of course. I mean. Yeah, I mean, that's why you see all like. That's why I love the South. Oh, yeah, I oh, see these yes. fast food chains and all these Just take slum your neighborhoods. Exactly, exactly, because they can't afford they can't afford to yeah. go to halls every night. Well, no. Can you? <laughs> what the fuck? I am an educator. <laughs> all right, so he was accepted to all the universities he applied to. His fifth grade teacher, Paul Carrer testified in court that quote he was balanced like a renaissance kid he had academic abilities and the kids liked him end quote interesting i did not see that in that court setting but i'm curious if we you didn't know that you couldn't tell that he was really smart no i actually thought he was like maybe really dumb like on the spectrum maybe yeah i don't know he just like spoke very very slow let me clarify that statement just he was not of, dumb he was not I, like he, but something wasn't right no, wasn't, something wasn't no, right i wasn't clarifying for you i was clarifying oh. for me meaning that people, dumb, people. Meaning, meaning that if you're on the spectrum does not mean you're dumb correct what i'm saying correct no, most, thank you for clarifying most intelligent people don't speak fast because they want to think about what they're going to say like for instance mm. what i'm doing now i mean like, i speak pretty fast i'm going to think about what i'm going to well, like I said, most intelligent people <laughs> don't speak fast. I knew he was going to do that. You set him up for that. No, I, I just, I don't know. There was something that just, it just wasn't right. So that, that could just be whatever his mental disorder Yeah, but was. he's, I mean, even, I mean, look at like Elon Musk, right? Brilliant guy, but he's, he's definitely got something going on up there. You don't think? Well, like sometimes hearing him you, talk- you are, to be incredibly brilliant, yeah, like something's off. But I didn't get the sense that he was incredibly brilliant. Is what I'm trying to say. Maybe it's because I came in kind of biased because I I don't know. For some reason, I kind of already knew that. I don't know why. Knew what? I knew that he was a brilliant guy. I don't know why I knew that. Um, I had no idea. I, maybe I saw it in a newspaper or something. So I came in with a bias. Yeah. I, yeah. But anyway, um, when he moved... When he moved back to San Diego in 2000, so this guy was born in 87, so he's 33 right now, and he's still alive. He moved back into San Diego in 2000. That's when he started thinking about killing people. Now, I saw this in a lot of killers that we have covered so far. When they're teenagers or even preteen, they start to think about killing people. And I I feel like that is uh, something that... We should really pay attention to 
because a lot of these killers I've covered in 200 something episodes, a lot of them think about killing people when they're in their teens. And most teens are thinking about getting BJ's behind. You the mean freaking well, you mean like they're then then they start torturing animals type things, well, setting yeah, things on fire. Well, that, I mean that too, but I mean just the fact that he starts thinking about killing people at fourteen years old yeah. is like you can't always fish that out of people though. To be fair, I mean as my yeah. role as yeah. a school counselor, if you t- if we're talking to a student and they divulge like hom- homicidal thoughts, that's a red flag. Like that's like you need to go get seen by someone and get help immediately. You right. know what I mean? That's not, but you don't always get a chance to talk to those kids. That's why. Or how, or how are you, how, would they really admit that sort of thing? It depends. It depends on how badly they want help. Like if they're, if they're, I mean, there, there are kids that are not going to be honest with you if they just, you know, if they're starting, they might not even understand their thoughts, but like, I'm just saying it's, it. I'm kind of confirming, like, how are you going to get, how are you going to pay attention to that? any closer than what we're already doing there are practices in place and i'm not saying that everyone follows these practices like realistically because we do have situations like this that happen but if you if you're if you're following procedure and you're you know a teacher and you see something that's off about your student and you send them to the counselor and the counselor talks to them and you sense that something is off you're going to want to try to get that student help as soon as possible especially if they divulge facts about wanting to hurt people or hurt themselves. So, yeah. And I, I want to say we're going to read later from a psychiatrist. He actually, while he was in his planning phase of doing this, was attending multiple appointments for psychiatrists. And multiple times he said that he has been thinking about killing and stuff like that. But this book that we're reading tonight, A Dark Night in Aurora by Dr. Reed. He says in his 35 years that we as a public think, oh my God, like he told a psychiatrist that he wants to go kill everyone, like lock them up. It's not that easy. It's actually an extreme length that the person has, the, the behaviors and the things that the person has to say before a court will allow you to just lock someone up. It, the, the court protects the patient. So even though I'm going to say, and, and we're going to read the psychiatrist, they may report someone for being homicidal or suicidal. You can't just lock them up. Like it's, it's a lot to do that with. So, yeah. it, I, I, you know, and which is good that this book that we're reading is written by a psychiatrist because he kind of goes to bat for him, you know, because yeah. everyone looks at psychiatrists and all the other stories we did. Oh, he told the psychiatrist he was about to go shoot up everyone. Why didn't they do anything? Well, they can't. Their hands are tied. Like, you know what I'm saying? They could report it, but that doesn't mean anything's going to happen. Right. You know what I'm saying? Just whatever. Right. And then like kind of going back to when I say, you know, when we say if someone reports that to us and we, we want to get them the help that they need, that's all that we can do is like you report know, it, report it and let them know. Like, well, we would call the parents and let them know. And then, you know, there are things that it, like if a student is going to harm themselves, there are times where we say your student cannot come back to school until we have proof that they went to go get see someone go yeah. get to see, to see someone. So, I mean, there are things that we can do and things that, you know, that are beyond what yeah. we can physically do. Yeah. And plus, since James Holmes was such a smart individual, yeah, he was going to get help for this, but he chose his words wisely. He kind of knew, like, mm-hmm. for instance, if I go into the VA and say, I'm about to kill myself and my wife or whatever, obviously they're going to 
put me in a, you know, lockup for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So he kind of knew the language to use not to have that happen. He was going to get help, as we're about to see, but he was he had the correct lang- language not to get kind of thrown in the pen. If so you it's will. like he wanted to get help, but didn't, he definitely wanted to get help. Yeah, he, but he didn't want to totally expose himself so that he would get sent yeah. away. Yeah, this is this story is really him. hard because you know most people just look at it. They they don't look at the mental health, and that's really what I'm trying to focus on here. He moved back to San Diego in 2000. He started thinking about killing people. And this is kind of interesting. He, at this point, when he was 10 years old, he started having hallucinations of a nuclear war, which is huh. it's kind of crazy because at 10, you know, I didn't know what nuclear holocaust would be or anything. Maybe I'm just a dumb kid, but at 10 years old, he's thinking about nuclear disaster i well, mean he's the same age as me like i mean yeah. we're not living in the cold war we're, we're not worried about nukes right but it depends on what you were exposed to as well wait he was exposed to nukes nuclear war like i mean how did he get this in his head is what i'm saying because he, he started hmm. having these hallucinations of a nuclear fallout type of thing interesting you know it's kind of it's kind of weird because i didn't really understand what nukes you know i didn't think that at 10 years old, that's a, a nuke? What the fuck's a nuke? I mean, I was a pretty dumb kid. I'm not going to lie. No, but it doesn't have anything to do with if you're smart or if you're dumb. But, like, if that was something that he was... Could have been, like, movies and video yeah. games. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking. There was, was. a lot, like, during that, that time, like, yeah. the enemy is, like, usually Russian. You know what I mean? If you think about, like, the James Bond movies kind of, or, I mean, like... So many of those movies are like Cold War. Drawn. I was yeah, I was more of a Mortal Kombat type of dude. See, so there all you right, go. well, facing like Scorpion and shit. Yeah, anyway, there you go. So at that age, about ten years old, he begins self harming, and he was cutting himself. Wow. Now I only found one instance of him doing this. He also tells psychiatrists that around this time, of ten years old, he started getting images. Kind of hallucinations in his head, just random, um, what do you call it, images just put in his head. What do you call that? Hallucinations? Visual hallucinations? Not where you see something, but kind of just thoughts that intrude, intruding Intrusive thoughts. thoughts. Intrusive thoughts. He started imagining people with their heads chopped off. He would imagine, quote, this is what he says, quote, a floating Saul, quote, chopping off heads of uh, random people that he would cross and, quote, the saw was doing it, the cutting on its own. It's so like, he was uh, visualizing a, as a big saw cutting people's heads off. Sounds wow. like rubber. Yeah. So if you want to read this, this is from the book. From uh, This is what he tells Dr. Reed. He remembers mental images of atomic blasts and nuclear winter that began to slip into his thoughts when his mind wasn't occupied. He remembers a kind of shift from the disturbing but passive thoughts of death and destruction of a year or so earlier to more active ones, from images of anonymous people dying to thoughts of killing them himself. Yeah, so he started thinking about killing people, which, I mean, we've done done a lot of these cases. I'm telling you, a lot of times I don't even mention it, but a lot of these killers we do start at a very young age of thinking about this. And I guess when you think about something for you know, let's say 10, 15 years, it finally comes to fruition. You do it. You know, mm-hmm. if you're thinking about killing someone at 
at 14, man, that's not going to be good down the road. So he had strong inner thoughts about killing people. That was his own words. And an interesting point here is he didn't want to kill kids at all. And that the uh, the six-year-old, I believe that was not an accident, but kind of a, a fluke. I don't think he meant to kill her, the six-year-old. The reason he chose a theater at midnight was there would be hopefully no children there. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. But he was once a camp summer counselor at Camp Max Strauss in Glendale. And he was helping disabled children, underprivileged urban kids and stuff like that. And he actually fell into that role and loved it. He loved helping the kids. He he has nothing... No, no malice against any kids whatsoever. I, I believe, and not trying to, not trying to say anything good about this guy, but I don't, I don't think he meant to kill the six-year-old. Uh, this is him as a kid right here. I'm putting all these photos on talkmurder.com. This is him right here with his uh, baby sister. At 14, the age of 14, he realized that he was different from everyone else, and he uses the words quote broken brain oh i use that all the time (laughs) i say that all the time my brain is broken so at the age of 14 he has a desire to fix the what he calls his broken brain and what do you think his uh field of study was when he uh he wanted to let's say i mean so he he knows he's different he knows he's got a broken brain he wants to change it what do you think his field of study will be psychology well kind of, neuroscience there you go neuroscience so he decided to be a neuroscientist interesting this is him right here very smart in computational neurobiology lab at San Diego Salk Institute, he began writing computer code for an experiment related to humans and their perception of time. Huh. Now, a lot of articles I've seen, people attribute this to time travel. That's not it. No. I believe he's talking about the general theory of relativity by uh, Albert Einstein. The, the fact that time slows down. For, all right, all right, all right. Okay, moving on. <laughs> he attended UC Riverside after he graduates high school for his first college, and he started thinking like a nihilist. Do you guys know what that is? Kinda yeah, like, someone who doesn't believe in anything after death. Uh, kind of. That's... It's so like I, there's no there's no there's reason no, for everything. Yeah. There's no purpose in anything. Yeah, from from what I can uh, figure out, there's no purpose. It's just all one way or the other. We're here because accident. We could die. We could live. Like it's no. We're just a random. Nothing like matters. Well, a lot of people find comfort in it, and um, I I can I can accept that a lot of people find comfort in it, but I guess I just don't understand that. I, so apparently, I've never read this guy. I don't want to try to sound smart, but I guess Friedrich Nietzsche taught Nietzsche. that. Nietzsche taught mm-hmm. that, and the, and he was uh, James Holmes read a lot of Nietzsche books hmm. when he was going through this phase. So he was a nihilist. Basically, nothing matters. We're all just an accident. We live or We're die. We're just here. We're just here. Is just a complete accident. Once he said, and he's quoted that, well, I mean, a lot of people do find comfort in it because they make their own desire. I get it. Like, uh, they make their own desire. If you don't believe in a God, you got to, you know, but I don't know. 
To each his own. Hey, Nicole's atheist. So when Jen and when we're up in heaven, you know, poor Nicole, be burning in the flames. I'm pretty sure that we've had conversations <laughs> as where wherever I am, you guys will be holding on to my ankles. Yeah. So Jen's floating up to heaven. We're like, fuck no, you're not. <laughs> you're coming down here with us. You know, it's hot down here. <laughs> Bring your swimsuit, Jen. <laughs> you know, I've been watching kind of a really interesting oh, documentary shit. on Netflix called Surviving Death. And I would recommend it because it talks oh, about near-death experiences. Jesus. and No, not necessarily, <laughs> not necessarily in a religious way, but it talks about near-death experiences and psychic mediums and people. Does it talk about like oh, the people go up to heaven and see the white light? There's a... Let's keep okay, it going. Okay. There's, yes, chemi- there is, there's, there's a chemical, multi-series. There's chemical reactions that your brain... We know. Okay. All right. Whatever. Just watch it. It's called Surviving Death. Once he says to uh, to someone, quote, I suffer, other people suffer, we'd all be better off if everybody on earth dies, end quote. Oh, that's an interesting people. He graduated USC Riverside and moved back in with his parents. He was summa cum laude. What is that exactly? It's like the highest honor. Is that I, always with get, high, with, I always get summa and magna cum laude. I think laude magna cum laude means with honor, with Honors and summa cum laude means with highest honors. Okay, because I didn't get that certificate at University of Phoenix. I think they well, forgot to well, send it cum, out. Well, there's cum laude, Oh, yeah, too. cum laude. With, and then magna is I don't, re- I don't remember which one's which. Summa, mean, summa is the highest, with highest honors. I think that's what I had, yeah. Because... <laughs> My school was a sham. <laughs> Let's be honest. Thank God for sham. Jess. That's all I have to say. That was a fucking sham school. <laughs> Anywho... He graduated UC Riverside, moved back when this in with his parents. He was summa cum laude. He becomes really lazy and staying in, playing video games. He applies to a lot of science jobs, professorships, lab technicians, whatever with science. Couldn't get any. Hmm. And it's the interviews that really hurt him. So in the book, they go over some of the interviews. If you read some of his his uh like his essays that he would write to these colleges they're really out there a lot of the interviewers called him weird i saw that term weird off like something's wrong with them a lot of the interviews said that in october 2010 he started working at aerotech staffing at this job he worked from 4 p.m to 2 p.m or 2 a.m filling pills he worked at a Pill coating machine and literally on a assembly line coating pills. And I mean, he was happy with it, but it was just below him as far as his intelligence goes, you know, hmm. something. I mean, it was way below him. And they actually called him, even though he was a model employee, they called him the quote, the giggler, which is kind of, hmm. oh, you know, obvious because freaking Joker. Weird, yeah. But yeah, but he would talk to himself and laugh to himself. He got accepted to Anschutz, A-N-S-C-H-U-T-Z, Anschutz Medical Campus, which every time I saw this word, I, I just pictured Auschwitz. It looks the yeah, same. The yeah. yeah. I mean, it just looks just like Auschwitz to me. Anyway, he did get accepted there, and he was offered a $26,000 a year stipend to attend the college, and he started April 2011. That college was in Denver, Aurora area. Huh. There you go. That's how he moved down there. Now, this is 
what you're looking at now is his diary is a manif not manifesto, but his diary that he was writing every night. Let me try to explain this. And the reason I asked if you guys seen Highlander, which I have not. Basically, if he he wanted human capital, he's a one. We're all ones. I'm a one. Jen's a one. Nicole's a one. If I kill myself, I'm a zero. Right. But if I kill Nicole, now I get her one and I'm a two. Does that make sense? This is a human capital. I d dude. Okay. Try not to ask me what the hell this. This is his. You, you see how so he thinks that by killing other people, he ups his number. Yes. He gains their human capital. And apparently this was a Highlander thing. Now, he's he doesn't claim that he got this from Highlander, but he he had. He was a huge fan of that show, Highlander. But basically, you kill someone and get their spirit energy, and now you become more. It's way out there, but weird, this is but okay. Weird, but this is his mo. This is yeah. why he's killing okay. too. So this is you see this. This is why twelve people died right here. His mission right now is to kill all the people he can for one reason is because he was depressed. And he has his own form of, quote, depression, what he thinks is depression. And for him to not commit suicide, he's got to collect as much human capital as he possibly can. And the only reason to do that, um, the only way to do that is by killing as many people as he can. And each person he kills would be a one. Anyone else, the 70 people that were injured, that was just, quote, collateral damage, end quote. That was his words and did not count for anything. In order to succeed in his mission, he's got to collect human cap capital, which is killing someone dead. Any questions? All right. I'm... At least and following. Yeah. All right. So, so with these cases, man, like even I'm thinking like Ted Kaczynski, all the manifestos, you want to you want to read the manifestos. You want to read what they have. But tr to understand it, you're not going to be able to because you're not. No, we don't not, think the same way. You don't think the same way. J just take and, it and as it is. It's yeah. a good thing. Very few people hopefully think that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. He started failing his classes in Colorado just because he didn't try anymore, he because as soon as he figured out what his mission is in life was, which was not to kill himself because he was really depressed, but to kill others, to kill others. So to stop himself from killing himself, he's got to kill others. As soon as he finds out what his mission is, he stopped caring about his classes whatsoever. He started failing his classes. And around that time, he also started getting mental help. And at the same time, he started acquiring guns. So this is a very fast. Very fast. It took like, a couple of months. And and in fact, it's kind of crazy because I'm not going to go into the, the all the armament at his apartment because he had the entire thing rigged up. But he was the last week before he did this. He was in his apartment with live homemade thermite gasoline cans the whole thing was ready to explode so just you know just being there was a huge liability for him anyway what you're looking at now is his symbol that's the symbol he made for himself there on the right is the infinity symbol inside of a one 
the one is the human capital that he needs, right? So he started planning his mission, acquiring guns. He got a Glock Model 34 from an online website. He got his gas mask from an online website. He actually bought a taser from Amazon.com, which, I mean, anyone can buy a taser. It's not a big deal. He didn't even use a taser. He got a Glock Model 22 from Gander Mountain. He got hollow point bullets, a Remington 870, 12 gauge from Bass Pro Shop. He was started to fail in his classes. Around this time, he also spent about 100 hours a week playing Diablo 3, which my brother used to play Diablo all the time. That was a good game. It was like a, um, an overhead kind of run. You're like in hell or something. Around this time, the whole time, and I'm not going to go into this, but he was seeing multiple therapists for his, his condition. And he was saying that he wanted to kill people. And he was, he was getting worse and worse and worse. But like I said... From the author of this book, you can't just lock someone up. I'm taking his word for it because, you know, he did reveal that he was at his breaking point. He also bought a Smith & Wesson M&P 15, like I said, from uh, Gander Mountain. This is from the psychiatrist. His name is uh, Margaret Roth, and this is on uh, March 16th, 2012. I, Roth, would have to report him. He says he wants to kill other people, but no one in particular, and has never done anything to harm others. It was very hard to interview him, as he would just stare and take a long time to answer. He said it was very hard for him to come in. Margaret Roth notes from March 16th, 2012. So the uh, the author of this book is also a 35-year veteran of psychiatry. He says, and I'll take his word for it, that it is not as simple as, oh, my God, he said he's going to kill someone. No. Let's lock him up. It takes a literally a constitutional freaking, uh, you know, battery of people to lock someone up. It's a long process. So you can't blame any of the psychiatrists for any of this stuff that you see. But um, I mean, I don't think either Nicole or I were thinking that as well, a lot as of people do, them. you know. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I know. But yeah, I mean, it's. Because, you know, he did, like, call the mental health line before he went in there. You know, people be like, why didn't they do something? Well, it's like, dude, like, what you the fuck? You don't know. Like, we you can't police know. a million people out of It's like of, Minority you know? Report. How, yeah, how exactly. can, you, can you really, like, you can only do so much without an actual it. act occurring. He was planning it for months and months. Like, dude, he was going to happen, man. Like, it was, I mean, he, he bought... At least 10, if not 20 tickets. I don't even know how many. They didn't say Batman movie tickets to try to find that exact theater. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, it was going to happen. Yeah, it was very premeditated. <laughs> I mean, he ain't, he didn't buy 20 Batman tickets and then call the mental health hotline and be like, oh, yeah, I guess I shouldn't do this. I would go just pack up and go home to my to my rigged apartment, apartment, which is <laughs> ready to blow. Wait, out. so what happened with the apartment? So he's they cleared wait. the no one died in the apartment. They cleared it. Took forever. Wait, so, wait, wait. So how, did how did he get? Yeah, how did he get captured? That well, he got captured pretty quick. Uh, he walked out of the theater, and two cops actually came up to his Prius. They thought he was a SWAT member, something because he looked like a SWAT member. And then they were like, "Wait, get on the ground." Then he was arrested. He uh, immediately asked for an attorney. That just kind of displays how smart the guy is. And eventually he did confess. Now, an interesting point here is if you go in for, let's say, murdering 12 people at a theater, you can say, I don't want to talk unless I have an attorney. They can't ask you questions about that. But 
if you have an apartment rigged with explosives, it's in the, I don't know, in the in the law where they can make you say, hey, is anyone in harm's way at your apartment right now? Is is there any, for, for instance, the cops went in there and they pulled the screen down of the Batman movie because they thought, for instance, someone was on the other side of the screen, of the screen shooting too. So they were asking him, they can ask him that and make him say it when I met, you know, as much best they can. Hey, is to there defuse. anyone else on in on this? Is there anyone else running around that could kill our officers? You know what I'm saying? So to defuse the situation. Yeah, exactly. But when he says, I don't want to talk about the incident at the movie theater, I want an attorney. That's what he did. And they put him in a segregation. What do you think happened to him? Like, where is he at now? Did he get death penalty? What do you think? What, well, what was his mental, actual mental disorder that, that came out? Oh, oh my God. That's a whole nother episode. There was times where he would, uh, for instance, stand on his bunk in his isolated cell and he would just fall straight down and try to black himself out. He was just mentally unstable. He was uh, being put in padded rooms, all this stuff. But no one knew if he was just faking it or if he was just if it was a real thing, it's just a, it's a whole bunch. Of, it's it's another episode worth of stuff. It's hard for me to say, like, then if it's but life he in was prison not or if he a, would get convicted well, of the, so, get the death penalty. But I'm, I'll say death penalty just because. If he was in a know. psycho psychotic episode, right, he wasn't because he planned this it was for right. It was very, yeah. very premeditated. And so it, I'll say death penalty for that reason. Yeah. So and he did admit some things like he was narcissistic, very narcissistic. He only cared what happened to himself. But, you know, I was thinking, I was like, OK, you admit that. But like, for instance, he he wanted to kill all these people so he wouldn't kill himself. That's very narcissistic. OK, mm-hmm. you admit that. But then you you go and do it, even though you know that you have that problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just like, it, you know, right from wrong. You, you know that, yeah, you have mental issues. You know that. But you still plan this for months type of thing. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's like how. So what did he get? Um, if you want to read this, this is from CNN. Theater shooter Holmes gets 12 life sentences plus 3,318 years. I can get behind that. Yeah, he needs to be. I mean, there's. Holmes, a 27 year old former grad student, received one life term for each person he killed. I like that. Plus 3,318 years for the attempted murders of those he wounded and for rigging his apartment with explosives. He is not eligible for parole. Good. It is the court's intention that the defendant never set foot in free society again. Judge Carlos Simor Jr. said after imposing the sentence Wednesday, if there was ever a case that warranted a maximum sentence, this is the case. The defendant does not deserve any sympathy. Sheriff, get the defendant out of my courtroom, please. Mm. So. That's it. man. America. Yeah. I mean. I don't know, man. This Lock him up, throw away the key. You know, it's Goodbye. crazy, man, because this story, like, I mean, obviously, yeah, he needs to be in there. But, I mean, going back I wouldn't to, have been upset if he got the death penalty. Yeah, but going so. back to the D.C. shooters, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that guy should be able to parole that the kid. The kid. Know, yeah. I get what you're saying. Which yeah, but this up. is different. Yeah, I know. Crazy, man. But anyway, mental health is important, people. It is. So, there you go. But crazy. That is the story. I know I uh 
We didn't go into a lot of it, but that's the the breadth of it, I guess. If you guys like this story, we do stories every Tuesdays and Fridays, and the Friday episodes will also be on YouTube, but they will be unlisted and exclusive for Supremos. So go to talkmurder.com slash join. It's 25 bucks a year. You can become our friends because I desperately need more friends. And you can join the forum and talk to me all day while I'm editing these motherfuckers and ask me questions. You can request stories and you can just be my friend, please. And me and Nicole. But mostly me. But anyway, that is the story. My name is John. I'm here with Jen Nicole. That is the James Holmes Aurora shooting story. Not No relation to H.H. Holmes. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. 